This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right, so some of you are history buffs, so here's your challenge. I know a bunch of you have smartphones, you have different things, you get these little updates. Does anyone know what happened in global history 29 years ago today? All right, all right. So 29 years ago today, a Frenchman uh, by the name of Philip Cosette met an Englishman named Graham Fagg, and they met each other underneath the English Channel. December 1st, 1990, Cosette and Fagg meet each other there, and they went through the service tunnel, and for the first time, continental Europe was connected to England. Now, I bring this up because if you've never been there, which I've not, but I've, I've looked at the math and others, it's about 30 miles. That's the length of the tunnel. Now, if you're going to dig a tunnel 30 miles in length, you better have what? Done your homework. I assure you, there were lots of mathematicians very, very, very excited on December 1st, 1990, because they did what? Think about the math. Think about the volume of thinking that went in. 30 miles just to make sure that we'd stay on target. And to think, I wanted to build like a three-foot-long tunnel underneath my parents' deck as a kid, you know? And I was afraid I'd get lost. 30 miles. But they actually get that right. So as we assemble in worship this morning, we're not digging the English Channel, but we are digging something else. <laughs> you see, we're digging every single day into our lives. And a life that says, where am I going? What's happening? And if we're true to who it is that we're worshiping, this question, are we in the same place this morning that we thought we'd be at 30 years ago? Are we worshiping the same God? Are we going about it the same way? Or have we deviated and we started digging the tunnel on one side and the next thing we know it turns out we're in Spain? Like it would have been awkward if they showed up at Gibraltar, right? They should have figured that out a long time before. You're like, uh, Pastor, that's, that's quite a distance to get that wrong. I know. But the question is still the same. Do we check in to know if we're headed the right way, or do we find ourselves getting off? We're spoken so much about faith. We hear lots of people talk about faith now. It's, it's more common. doesn't mean they're talking about your faith, and then people will talk more about God. doesn't mean they're talking about your God. So the question is, do you ask which God are you talking about? Which faith are you talking about? Or do you just say, they said God and faith, so we must be, we must be okay? Or do you actually dig a little bit deeper? Well, sometimes we have a way of getting off course. Well, open up to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 is where we're headed. Uh, Paul is writing in one of his prison epistles. We've read several of these over the last few weeks. But the question is this. Are you, church in Colossae, still worshiping the God that I told you about before, or have you gotten off course? Did you start digging the channel of faith 
mind you, metaphor and illustration that will break down. But did you dig this place, and the next thing you knew, <laughs> you will not meet Mr. Cosette. You will not meet Graham Peck. You will find yourselves in a different place because the moment you started digging, you then said, yeah, you know, this is really a deep hole. If I just turned around and, and, and went this way, I'd already be on dry ground and I could go home. You're like, well, that's silliness. I, I know. But don't we at times in our lives, life gets tough, so we get, we just leave. I mean, honestly, that's what we do. Life gets tough. Life gets tough. You guys like, the tough get, nope, nope, tough don't get going. We just, we just bag it because honestly, we have so many choices now in life, there must be an easier way. Or we just ask Google. Google, how could I do this more easily? I mean, is it not funny? I have not played Trivial Pursuit since the age of Google. Like, you'd have to be watching someone. I see what you're doing under the table. I see it. I see you are looking. I see you are trying to find information. Well, let's take a look and see what Paul's saying to this church uh, as he speaks to them. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the start. This is a point of departure. So we're, we're getting going in our lives. He says, what I gave to you, stay rooted in it. Don't find yourself shifting and actually give thanks that God gave you a foundation. There's not full clarity, though, about the challenge in Colossae. We know that there's a false teaching. And we know that Paul is speaking against that heresy. And there's a couple things we'll unpack this morning, but we're not quite certain of its entirety. But I'll show you where we're headed. See, the exact nature isn't known, but in chapter 2, he unpacks several false teachings. So if you've got chapter 2 open uh, and you look a little bit later, if you look at verse 8, verse 8 actually tells us that we are held captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions. So this captive philosophy, there's some other teaching that's got them pulled aside. That's verse 8. Later, verse 11, there's stress on ritual practices. So that if you could just do certain things, these ritual things, if you, if you just do enough of those, then you'll be right with God. So this is a second warning uh, or, or a piece that is written about. The other is circumcision. Once again, that bears its head again. Now, if you're concerned, circumcision, why are we talking about this? It's an outward human tradition. It's something that you could, if you had a checkbox, you could check yes or, I mean, you should know this, yes or, it is that simple, people, yes or no. You're all like, is there another thing I don't know about? You're like, it's a hold a seat moment. I don't know. He's using the word circumcision. It's just, it'd be a checkbox. And if you've got it, then you're like, sweet, I did it. So now I'm, I'm on the right side of God. Because we all want to stay on that side of God. We want to stay on the right side. Now, a little bit later, Paul will develop about food and festivals and observations. By verse 21, still in chapter 2, there are reminders that you should abstain from certain practices. Verse 23 uh, goes on and gives us a summation of challenges faced by the church. Uh, these challenges of, boy, it's pulling you from the purity of the gospel. Did any of you find Thanksgiving dinner difficult because of the mixing of foods? Are any of you willing to admit you're that type of an eater? Okay, none of you are willing to publicly admit it. I was one of those as a child. I needed a compartmentalized plate. And you're like, well, that explains a lot about our pastor. We didn't know he was a compartmentalized plate guy. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, green bean casserole, stay in your part of my plate. Mashed potatoes, stay in your part of the plate. And then the hardest thing of all, you guys know what the hardest thing for a compartmental guy is? How'd you guys know that? Yeah, man, gravy. I'd be like, I don't know what to do with you. Mom, do you have another, like, sidecar I could have? You know, like, just a little, little thing on the side. 
well, there's this piece of just how is it that we organize and set ourselves forward? Or do we let things blend together? And sometimes when they blend together, now for Thanksgiving, I get it, you're like, but it just tastes so good together. Sure, but false teaching doesn't blend well with proper teaching. And it just makes things messy. Even though you might say, oh, yeah, no, it'll be fine. That's just something people say that want to get home. <laughs> it will be fine. Okay, it might be fine then, but it's going to cause a problem later. Colossians 2.23, so we jump ahead. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom. Isn't that neat? Paul knew about today, writing then, that these outward signs of keeping all these different rituals, he goes, they have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. Did this guy live in our country today? Because it feels it. Because we speak in a certain manner, in a certain fashion, we make up our own religions, we do things that feel like, well, this feels like what God would want us to do. And asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. See, all the outward practices, all the outward pushes and moves, they actually don't stop us. Paul uses this other phrase of the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, spirit willing, the flesh is weak. So you can have all these things if I just did this, but the truth is the more you ask of someone, all it's going to lead them to is despair. You could add another laundry list. Some people would like it. Pastor, if only you'd give us what are the four things I need to do this week to be better in the Lord. The truth is if every week I gave you four new things to do in the Lord, how would you feel after 52 weeks or one year? This church thing is not that much fun. And it kind of stinks. Actually, well, it just got tough, so I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And I'm going to go look for another church, right? Unfortunately, probably not. Most people, when they get real upset with the church, don't immediately go run to another church. <laughs> A lot of people run to something completely different to fill the void. They will fill the void. They'll just fill it with something that isn't God, that isn't Scripture, because they got burdened by traditions and rituals and asceticism and all these different things that God never asked us to find as the centerpiece. So this is what Paul's writing. He goes, hey, the heresies, you guys are making up stuff because it sounds good. They just will teach what they're, what is that? Their itching ears. What are you guys like, why is he itching his ear? It's a context clue. What their itching ears want to hear. We want to hear certain things, and largely we want to hear the things that do what? That affirm what we already believe. <laughs> we just want someone to say the stuff we want. Uh, again, we, we've joked about this. This is why when you, when you go to watch a sporting event or some other piece, you, you go to be around people who are like-minded. Like, if you are going to the ballet, do you want to go with a sports fan? Yeah, no! It's bad! It's really bad. You ever go to a classical music concert with someone who's never been before? If not, you could take my son. Take either of them. To which you guys said, no, yeah, I know. You're like, cute boys, not interested in listening to Tchaikovsky with either one of those in a concert where they're like, can I go now? Again, it's just, they're not the right shape yet. I'm looking forward to them knowing those things. But they're not there yet. So by engaging in certain rituals, these aspects of self-denial, they've some way drawn themselves to think that they can get closer to God. Now, the church uh, in Colossae is actually founded, or at least largely led, by a man named Epaphras. 
So Epaphras is likely one that had been taught under Paul, is there, and you hear his name come up a few times as we read through this book this week. And Epaphras began the teaching and preaching to the congregation uh, and was aware that things were getting off base. This is what's unique. He actually invites Paul and says, hey, you know, I'm looking for help. This is the joy of a church that realizes it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, I need some outside teaching. So it's okay to check in and see if you're off base. So think back to the Frenchman and the Englishman as they're coming forward. Do you know what they were doing all the time when they were digging the channel? They were checking in and doing soundings to make sure that they were going to get there. Because just digging it from one way and going, you know what, it'll be real hard to do to match in the middle, so we'll just let the French do all 30 miles. I might, that is a solution. You could have done that. And you'd say, well, wherever it comes out is where it will come out. But you know they didn't do it that way. It would have been a waste of time. Massive boring machines were coming together. Uh, and hopefully you know it. There are not one tunnel. There are actually three. The service tunnel and two others. Well, they matched the service. And then they were able to build everything else around it. It takes a few more years to get it set, but they're checking in all the time. So do we as Christians check in with the Scripture to get, do I have a proper understanding of who Jesus is, or am I making it up to match what I want? Most of us, by nature, will let God be what we want Him to be. Because that's the easiest God. Because that God is the one that what? We made. And the God you make is the one that's very easy to serve. The challenge is if you make that God and He lets you down, (laughs) then you have to ask, why did I make a God that I couldn't even enjoy? Well, we go back verse 8. I want to look a little bit deeper at some of these uh, philosophies and the challenges. So we talked about the heresy that's there and why this drawing back to understanding who God is is so essential to check in at all times. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. There are so many different teachings out there today. I mean, they're all over the place. Uh, If you have any type of smartphone, you have probably put yourself on several feeds. Could be one, could be zero, and someone has access to you. You ever consider that when you accept that you'll receive something? You are actually giving them instantaneous access to you. How many times have you been talking to someone very serious that you want to have, just, I mean, not, serious, like, not like end of the world conversation, but just an important one, and then you hear ding and you do what? Come on, be honest. Why did that person have more access to you than the person in front of your eyes? It's weird. Don't be pulled by these deceptive philosophies, empty deceit, according to human tradition. Paul calls the thing what is he? He says, these are invented things. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. See, realize these are different things. They're not Christ. These aren't like Christ add-ons. These aren't bonus features. They're things that have nothing to do with him. Instead, you've got this other piece. The challenge in the first century many times is the Christians are trying to find themselves, they're trying to see how they fit into society, and sometimes, rather than upset too many people, because lots of people are upset with them, they decide that in this new culture, we're going to let a few things stay on. A few of these elemental elemental spirits of the world. This other, yes, it it maybe isn't exactly Christ, but do we have to get rid of, do we have to expunge that as well? For in him the fullness of deity, speaking of Christ, for in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and we have been filled in him who is the head of all. And all rule and authority come from Christ. And Christ then gets to claim every part of us, every part of our lives, every part of our homes, and all that is happening in us. So what about the circumcision argument? 
So we've got this challenge of deceitful philosophy, and then I mentioned circumcision. It's these outward rites and practices. So this is verse 11 and 12. In him also you were circumcised. Meaning in Christ, each and every one of us has been circumcised. Look, Paul goes on. You have been circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You've been set apart. Uh, It is a spiritual activity that God does to change you. Paul's writing to say, stop thinking that this is something you have to do. Start realizing God already did it. Live like God already finished it. But too many times, we come to church to celebrate, and then we leave with a laundry list of things we're supposed to do. Instead of realizing the greatest thing we do is praise a God who's already done it. And some people are like, well, then what do I I get to do? Live like God actually already did that. But how many times is this going to happen? Now, you guys will have to fight this, because there will be a tendency that you will go outside, and if it's still raining, you'll be bummed out. Attempt to leave this place with a smile. And go, God, this is really cool. You actually gave me another day. I do not know all the things that you are weighted down with, but you have today. That's awesome. You have another day to live and to breathe and to interact with people that you love and know and some with whom you're mending relationships, others that need mending, but God has given you another day. The text continues, verse 11. Christ has done that. Then verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him, through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Human rituals and processes are not the source of our relationship with God. It starts in our baptism, it's healed as we hear the word of God preached, and then God feeds us at his table. God reminds us he is in this world to stay. Christ came so that this world may actually have reconciliation with the Father, and we become reconcilers, ones who take Christ to others which is super humbling, because I know me, and you guys know you, and you're going, God wants me, he does, desperately. He sent his son so that you could be that reconciler. This language that comes out in verse 11 and 12 is Romans 6 language, being buried with Christ, rising with Christ, a resurrection like his. But we fight the world all the time that we can do human rituals and other things, and we can do all these practices that makes it a self-actualization piece. Now, I I know that now I have to go online to buy all my books, but when we used to have a world where Barnes and Nobles and all the other big sellers were, one of the biggest sections was what? You guys know this, the biggest section in those places. Self-help. Why? Because we, doesn't mean we read the book, but we at least, you at least purchased the book, or maybe you didn't, that's why they had to close down. But at least you perused the book there. So you perused the book and then put it back on the shelf. But it was just, it's, it's amazing. Well, that same tendency to want to self-actualize, to make me right by my own doing, Paul was fighting that in the first century. So when, when people think, oh, the world's so different, in many ways, yes. And in other ways, not at all. We need to hear again and again that God is the one who is drawing us together. God moves first. It's not you self-actualizing. It's God bringing himself to you so that we can then hear in verse 13 and 14 God's movement. And you who were dead in your transgressions, who were dead, you had nothing. And the uncircumcision of your flesh. Remember just those few verses earlier, who did the circumcising in verse 11? Christ did that, and he actually accomplished it. Before. But before you were not, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all. Forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling 
the record of debt that stood against us with legal demands. Do you guys see that news story? Again, this happened a couple times. We had, I think it was, a, oh, I think it was Richard Sherman. Uh, and if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I think Richard Sherman, one of the, the players for the San Francisco 49ers, paid off an entire school's school debt uh, this week. $27,000 worth of school debt just for lunch. So literally, some family got a note and it said what? It, it's, it's, it's forgiven. They will never get another letter about that. Ever. It's an amazing thing and we forget we have a debt with the Lord that is no longer because it's paid in full. But as Christians, many times we don't live that way. Instead, we do what? Golly, have you seen the ledger of things that I have done wrong? Golly, God could never forgive me. He never could do it. It's just not possible. It's not possible. And the whole time, God is just looking at you saying, I've paid it. I've already paid it, but we won't listen. This, this piece of God, just this massive thing that lifts over a burden because we were too stubborn following our own pride and place of wanting to fix it ourselves by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Debt has legal demands. I've learned in North Carolina, so do HOAs. Like they've, got, they've got serious power. There was a gentleman this past uh, week somewhere in the country, uh, it was reported it happened a while ago, they took his house over like under $10. They could have just said, like, we, but no, they did all the proceedings and different things and just took the guy's house. You said, they're going, Really? But remember, we're not talking about houses. We're talking about your entire life, and Christ does it. He sets it aside, and he nailed it to the cross. He nails it there, nailing it to the cross. We hear again and again, and then we get this picture of God actually removing it. Look at verse uh, 15, and if you don't know your Roman history, there's a neat piece of Roman history of why Paul writes it this way. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them into open shame by triumphing over them. You see, Rome, when it would actually defeat an enemy, many times would actually take them, lay out their weapons, uh, and then just publicly, I mean, I guess I'll just use it, ridicule them. I have victory over you. You have nothing now because Rome has won. Paul's drawing a language of something they knew well. They knew very well this challenge of a, of a people who could be humiliated by an all-encompassing and overpowering vanquisher in the case of Rome. But this isn't Rome. This is the God, the maker of heaven and earth, who says, I have done everything for you. I have triumphed and disarmed the rulers and authorities. The very ones that sometimes you guys are so worried about, well, what are they going to say? They won't be able to say anything. They won't be able to say anything because they have already lost. Verse 12 and 13 from the next chapter. Give us a little bit more as our time draws to a close. He says, put on then as God's chosen one. See, it's like for us, you're like, all right, sermon winding down, you're starting to put things away, right? Like, all right, get organized, get things ready. Well, then here's some marching for us. Put on then, as Christ chose one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Man, what a different world, isn't it? Actually, never ever, ever bring up when someone harmed you again. It's a different way to think. You might be able to like not bring it up for two weeks. You might be able to not bring it up for six months. But there's this human tendency that somewhere about 10 years later or 20 years later, you do what? You know, it's been 20 years since I reminded you of that terrible thing you did. 
that I forgave you for. Huh. And 20 years of what you thought was hard labor was wasted. Because that's not forgiveness, brothers and sisters. When Christ forgives, He forgives entirely. And we need to echo that. The text continues, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. We forgive as a response to what Christ already did. You are His now. He has you so that you might dwell richly in Him, that you might go forth from this place on a Thanksgiving weekend, thankful for what God's doing and celebrating His advent, His coming. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Church loves teaching. Humans hate admonishment. We just don't like it. God says we got to do both. You got to know who I am, and when you're wrong, you've got to be called to account. And Christ calls all people to account and offers them His grace and mercy. He then says we get to do some fun stuff, right? Teaching, admonishing. Then sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior Jesus Christ every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.